Nitin Deshpande is president of Evolent Health International. Earlier, he has established and grown India sites with companies like Allscripts, DMC Software, Geometric Software Solutions. He's been an active member, contributor, mentor at industry forums like SEEP and TAI. There aren't too many people who can take credit for establishing offshore delivery subsidiaries not just once but repeatedly and becoming an expert in it. Nitin has been known to create great teams and leaders who have blossomed in their own right. So we wanted to pick Nitin's brains about how senior leaders should think about future relevance, his own leadership style, the changed expectations for leaders over the years. Nitin has a very unique style of narrating an anecdote to make a point and this keeps the conversation engaging all the time. We at CTQ work with leaders who are heading India sites uh, with problems like you know, how to build a culture of innovation or intrapreneurship. If some of the things Nitin says about growing these sites resonates with you, you may also want to check out our work at choosetothink.com, that is think with a Q. Till then, do listen to Nitin at his radically candid best. This is the CTQ Smartcast, where we have conversations about up-leveling, deliberate practice and getting future relevant. Hi, welcome Nitin. Welcome to the CTQ Smartcast. Thank you, Arish. It's always a pleasure, uh, you know, and uh, this, this is the first time I'm doing it solo. So a little bit of uh, nervousness there, but I'm sure you will uh, help me along. Oh, yes, I'll, I'll definitely help you. I'll pull your leg uh, and I will post some you know, send some curveballs uh, your way. Sure. So today we wanted to talk about, uh, you know, how should senior leaders be thinking about future relevance? So the first basic question, just to set the context, so what is, you know, future relevance and what does it really mean for senior leaders like you? Yeah. So, you know, actually I'm, I'm a bad example for, for that matter, simply for two reasons. One first reason is that uh, I'm too senior. Meaning, it's okay for me, it won't bother me so much. But it's definitely an important issue for uh, people who are not that senior, but who you know are senior enough. So that that's uh, one thing. But And the other reason why I think it's not as uh, relevant is that, you know, at least I consider myself, as opposed to my age, I consider myself, you know, kind of, you know, uh, more in tune with the current generation. Uh, and uh, therefore, again, I, in that sense, I don't think of myself as senior. But either way, uh, your question is still valid. And um, uh, the point is that, uh, you know, the way technology is moving and the way, uh, you know, I mean, pandemic, of course, was a, the biggest sort of a, something which nobody could have anticipated. But uh, everything else, I mean, the, the pace, the acceleration that is happening in terms of technology, in terms of other things, in terms of media and so on. Unfortunately, not everybody can uh, remain relevant. Um, sometimes because of they fall behind technology, sometimes they fall behind the norms of the new generation. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, whether they like it or not, they have to work with the new generation. And uh, to be able to manage people, uh, to be able to uh, manage the technology, and these two things together becomes a very potent uh, kind of a combination if you don't remain relevant. If you are senior and if you want to remain in that kind of a position where you are trying to guide a company or guide a group of people, then there's no choice for you but to remain relevant in, on both those fronts. 
right right yeah yeah so nitin you you mentioned about the pandemic you know some people were joking that the pandemic was the you know the you know the, the digital transformation officer for many companies <laughs> right so with the world around us uh, you know changing so fast changing so rapidly do leadership styles and mental models need to be refreshed Oh, absolutely, absolutely. In fact, um, pandemic, of course, was a very um, sort of a extreme example. But uh, I'll tell you my own example, uh, and you know, generally, I try to give talk from my experience. So, uh, from my own experience, you know, the leadership uh, style, the the biases that uh, one has, uh, they keep evolving. I'll give you two concrete examples. Uh, one is that when I was young, you know, and I, I was. unfortunately fortunately i was always in a managerial position and then an entrepreneurial position so uh, i had that uh, you know that, that kind of a clout or whatever so i used to say to my kids who were very young that time that you know i'll never hire a person with a ponytail a man with a ponytail and or a ear piercing piercing or even a tattoo mm. uh, because i used to associate that in my mind i used to associate that with casualness you know not serious enough all of that and uh, you know m- fortunately i didn't have to actually act on it because those days it was relatively rare and then uh, fast forward i i when i was an entrepreneur i was working in the us and canada and all that and there i met a the first person i met who had all those three things right ponytail <laughs> ear piercings uh, tattoos i mean i don't know what else what other piercings and and he was supposed to be my sort of main client right the guy who was supposed to deliver you know implement my software there and i said oh my god you know like this is a disaster and then uh, i actually started working with him and guess what i mean literally in 3 days i realized how wrong i was uh, and i realized nobody could have been more sincere nobody could have been more intelligent nobody could have been more dedicated than this person i still remember his name was rick uh, in vancouver and uh, that's when i realized that you know just you know we we kind of associate like you know a lot of people don't i i don't wear for example jeans to office but just because you're wearing jeans and sneakers to office that may, doesn't take away from your sincerity or your willingness to the extent that of course after that i realized that that's probably become the de facto uniform of techies um, so you know things change things constantly evolve this is just one example another example i'll give you about um, the mental model uh, how how it has to change uh i was a firm believer in um, not working from home i used to always think that you work from home mangra matlab time pass karne ka isko you know he is not going to work enough and of course there were exceptions always and you know i used to kind of say to myself that okay if harish asks for work from home that's okay because i know he since but if rishab asks for it then you know gadbade kuch usko kuch ghar ka kaam hai you know i used i had these kind of you know mental blocks or Uh, I used to try to judge the person based on how many times he worked from home, and you know things like that. I and again that uh, this, in fact, the pandemic really changed that on its head, and to the extent that now I say that as and when we do go back to this hybrid model, uh, we are we are thinking just you know broadly thinking that we'll probably have six weeks at home and one week in the office or five weeks at home, one week in the office, something like that. And I, I I'm telling my managers now that look. that one week when your team is going to be in the office assume your productivity is going to be minimal minimal all your productivity is going to be at home when they come to office they will be spending more time in gossiping and you know, abusing you and all that uh, you know rather than uh, actually doing work and you know having lunches and dinners and what not and catching up so just imagine i mean this is like a 180 degree turn right i mean from from 
work from home being associated with low productivity to that's the only way to work that's where you are going to get productivity so these are the kind of things that need to be refreshed all the time and these are probably two extreme examples but i'm sure there are several others like that right so uh, nitin you gave these examples and you showed uh, you know you you talked about how these were like this hit you in the face right uh, but in order to acknowledge this you also need to be open uh you need to be you know ready to acknowledge that yeah there is a change so how do you how do you manage to do that you are absolutely right actually i mean you know i always say that um, the first uh, thing that you you need to improve is a willingness to accept that the current situation is not the best or the way i'm behaving is not the best that there could be a better way of doing it and uh, often times you know when we give feedback to people also about their own individual performance etc i find that there are some people who come with a very defensive mindset and you know no 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 but you know there's an excuse for everything that you would say and in my mind i know that this guy is not going to improve because he's not willing to accept that he could be doing something which which can be done better it's i'm not saying it was bad but it can be done better in a better way or better uh, whatever so i think that's that's what is the most important the attitude that uh, if you listen to others and it helps from in my case it helps that i am always uh, surrounded by people much younger and much smarter uh, generally so you know it's uh, you once you acknowledge that that the younger generation unlike pe- when people say are hamare zamane mein aisa nahi tha the younger generation is generally smarter than you are um you know they, some characteristics might be different i mean not just the physical and visible characteristics but mental characteristics might be different but there are they think of better ways of doing things they think of better ideas and you should be willing to listen and introspect um and again it might sound cliched but um, you know that's that's really what it is i mean you should be willing to um if somebody is doing something differently you should be willing to examine with an open mind is it better than what i am doing and if so embrace it uh, one of my company's uh, core values we have only four values uh, unlike many other companies and one of them is start by listening and i really thought that it was a really brilliant way of putting it you know that start by listening don't don't start by talking or telling others start by listening no matter who you are so that's uh, that's one thing and the other thing the second value i mean since i'm on the value the other thing is radical candor right. uh, which or communicate with candor which means that uh, you know not only do you want to listen but also you want to speak as frankly as you possibly can without being rude or without being insulting so once you put these two things together and this just so happens that the current company has these two values but i realize that in, innately the first one particularly start by listening is something which i've always believed in it was not articulated like that uh, but you know you, and and a quick uh, anecdote so in in another previous uh, company uh, we used to collect feedback and all that from 360 degree feedback typically so uh, my hr head actually told me that the only thing i'll you know tell you is that you give your time too freely to employees and to vendors and everybody else uh, which means that and that's why you have to work harder because you have to spend more time uh, so why don't you cut it down and i thought about it and i said no this is something which is very important to me you know because this is exactly what i want to do i want to listen to people down the line not just people who report to me but across the board uh, and my vendors and my customers and you know that's the only way i learn the truth otherwise if you rely only on the reports and what your report is tell you then you are going to be like living in an ivory tower 
Right. Um, so that's that's the other thing which helps me do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, nice. Nice anecdote there, Nitin. And probably that is going to lead to the next question. So, what uh, is expected from you today as a leader? Uh, that was not expected, say, back in the early two thousands or or even mm. you know before then. Yeah. Um, so first of all, you know, one one thing, uh, I mean, specific years may be different, but in general, the opportunities were not as many. Mm-hmm. And right now, today, when we are sitting in like, you know, end of September 2021, it's gone to the other extreme where, you know, like, um, I remember the, the, the saying that, you know, there was a board put up in the campus saying that trespassers will be recruited. So it's, it's that kind of a thing right now. Uh, but uh, even if you take this ex- extreme situation uh, aside, in general, the opportunities, the kind of opportunities which are available are so many more now. So it was a little easier to retain people, even if, you know, the technology was not the sexiest, your COBOL, for example, I grew up on COBOL when I started my job. I mean, I, we didn't think of any problem of working on COBOL, even though people kept saying that it's, it's, this technology is going to be dead soon, etc., they still work on COBOL, by the way. But uh, in, even in the 80s and 90s, people used to say that this is going to be outdated, etc. Uh, but you know, it was people. We didn't have this fear of losing people because of technology. Also, training people was uh, you know very different. Um, it it was in in some sense it was uh, 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 more difficult because you know that time we had to do a classroom training. You had to have a batch, right? You know, so you couldn't afford to have individualized trainings. Uh, today, with all the, you know, like everyone and his dog is doing Python now and calling themselves a data scientist. Right? <laughs> so that seems to be the, like the flavor of the month. Started so, with Pablo's dog. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> so, so um, but, but, you know, that was, but imagine, you know, these, those days, Infosys and, uh, you know, PCS and everybody else, Wipro. I remember going to Infosys and looking at their training center. Oh, my God. I mean, it was like a university. Right, and I had gone there as a customer, so they showed me with great detail as to what all they did, which was you know very very impressive. They had like a battalion of PhDs uh, who you know who were educationists who were there. I mean, better than any university that uh, I, I could see. Uh, so that it was it was a big job. You know, it was it was really not easy. Now you know it's so much easier. I mean, you want to get somebody trained, you know, it's so much easier. Also, um, one other thing which was very different uh, was. Um, and I'm not saying it's good or bad, but different uh, was the the whole political correctness and uh, this whole Me Too and uh, grievances and all that was. I think you know the skins have definitely become thinner now. Um, and again, like I said, it's I am not. I don't mean to say it in a bad way. I mean it's. I'm not saying that it's what has happened is bad, but you know, like it or not, it was. You know, it was not really. You could you could give feedback using some words which would be considered harassment or, uh, you know, uh, more than that today. Um, Even some of the terms did not exist, right? I mean, if at that time you had mentioned the alphabet LGBTQIA in one sequence, they would have thought you are mad, right? Today you automatically, uh, it it means something and you, you immediately realize that, yeah, you mean, you got to be sensitive to these things. So this was different. Um, and of course, the whole VUCA thing, right? I mean, we all know that how the whole volatility is just accelerating. You know, in those days, it was relatively uh, secure. I remember when Y2K was around the corner, right? I mean, people were working on Y2K for like years, like four or five years. Pandemic, what happened? I mean, one fine day, you just realize 
no five years notice for that right one day you have to pack up and start working from home so that's the kind of volatility that has come about today <laughs> and of course um, the, 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 as a the world was uh, is now much uh, flatter and therefore uh, your reach is global right i mean today when we arrange a event for uh, let's say you are talking to me when we happen to be in the same city right now but you know you could be talking to somebody sitting across the globe right and uh, we we now have events where we call i mean the other day we had a seep event where we called uh, amit fernandez who was speaking from wisconsin um, you know so those are the things which have started making now those are good things and bad things so uh, so so today when if google wants to recruit from pune or nagpur um they can do it right and uh, you and i or at least we have to compete with them <laughs> to offer a job and the salary and the and the kind of work that they do so so much the, the whole all these things put together it's uh, the job has become so much different and it's exciting i mean it's uh, in some ways it is difficult and that's probably why it is also exciting right so you spoke about what has changed so what has remained the same in terms of expectations from a leader lots of things actually i mean the the most important thing i would say is um, the culture i mean the the cultural aspect which means uh, you know being honest being transparent being having integrity being uh, humble i talked about listening uh, genuinely caring for people and their growth you see people see through it very easily you know like companies talk about you know, we'll give you this growth and that growth but if it is not sincere it is not sincere it's pretty apparent very soon that it is not uh, what we and that, that's why you know then you have attrition and i'm not saying we don't have attrition but typically we tend to have lesser attrition than the others we tend to get much better uh, sort of engagement uh, results and so on and so forth so just as example our internal engagement surveys are were always very good like you know 95% plus uh, approving it on every count but we just did a a uh, great place to work certification and literally like two days ago they told us that we have, i mean we don't know the details but they said that you're certified they put our name on the list now this doesn't happen unless you genuinely care for people and that doesn't change you know no matter uh, all the other things changing and that how you show that caring can can take different uh, can be manifested in different ways like in covid times you have to show your care in different ways at other times you show it in different ways but that's something which is which will always be there i mean so long as people are there you know people caring for each other and being honest and listening to each other will always be there and the equity the whole fairness bit right no matter what your uh, and inclusivity i mean i i put the two together equity and inclusivity the other thing which doesn't change is uh, you know customer focus um you know lots of new tools have come in you know you the whole crm thing is so big and but then ultimately there's no substitute for you genuinely caring for the customer success and genuinely caring for what the customer is saying so uh, you know you can you can you know in a, in some situations you feel that you are you can be a, i mean I'll, i'll give you a classic pune example right people used to joke about chitaris right how they don't care about the customer but today look at chitaris i mean the they care i mean they show their care about the customer much more so i don't know whether you're forced to do it because of uh, you know the the competition or the new generation that came in changed it or whatever but today i mean it's like they're growing like crazy uh, they were always good but uh, probably not as customer focused as they are today and then the growth automatically comes so that's the other part which doesn't change you care about the customer you you know you either fulfill a need for the customer or you you know fix a, a hot spot for the customer one of the two right i mean unless you 
you satisfy a need a genuine need you are not going to go anywhere and how do you know that need unless you actually relate to the customer and try to find out right right yeah so i think what you basically talked about is the human centricity whether it is employees or customers right think yeah. of your customer as somebody that you care for yeah. empathizing with you know both sides of the <laughs> of the boundary i guess absolutely what, absolutely you know, uh, talking about and by the way I, i should i should just add because i said about employees and customers a third dimension which people often forget is the vendors right. your partners i mean calling them vendors sounds a little insulting but you know ultimately they are giving you some service or goods again you know i'll i'll give you a quick example i mean um, so during the pandemic um, so you know, many people went back and you know obviously the offices were shut for a long time so all the office keep housekeeping staff and the security uh, all those people were laid off right i mean mm-hmm. and usually they are not your employees anyway so you feel less about you know mm-hmm. less bad about it, let's put it that way no you don't feel as bad Hmm. um and you say you tell the company ki bhai abhi zarurat nahi hai you know we don't we can manage without it or free. we didn't do that we we told the company uh, the companies who were giving that manpower to us with the housekeeping you know pantry boys and you know all the, all, the, all the security hmm. and all that that look we don't need them but so long as they are there and they are available if we need them tomorrow we will keep paying them we'll keep paying you and you have to keep paying them and you have to prove to us that you are actually paying them. and we we have been doing that we still do that our office is still closed now one and a half years we have not let go a single person even though they were not on our rolls and you know because ultimately even though they are vendors i mean see if we don't pay them they will probably have no choice but not to pay their employees right and then we have more of the problems that we have today this is one example the other example uh, i'll say is that any time you know somebody tries to negotiate my procurement department tried to negotiate uh, too much etc and if i found out and i said look remember that unless that guy makes a reasonable profit it's it's like not in your interest if he doesn't make a reasonable profit you want him to make a reasonable profit yes it should not be abnormal profit but you want him to prosper you want him to do reasonably well and that 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 again that's an attitude which most people don't understand particularly on the procurement side <laughs> <laughs> yeah again i think that that's a great example uh, nitin we know that you love your quizzing so we're going to interject this interview with a couple sure. of quiz questions and um, i hope the latter part of this question is factually uh, correct as well so sajjan lal purohit um, acted in many bollywood films Uh, from 1948 to 1996 though the 96 one i think was an uncredited one but his most memorable role was in a ramanand sagar produced tv show starring arun govind how is his role the character connected with pune and i'm guessing your current background as well how, how is his role in the yeah, serial in that series yes so that was obviously ramayan um, okay it's not ramayan no, it's not ramayan भारत 
म्युझिकल रियालिटी शो and the guy speak not only speaks marathi but his marathi and his knowledge of marathi literature and music is phenomenal phenomenal is the only word i didn't know that yeah 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 <laughs> he also plays tennis at uh, ferguson college occasionally so oh, if, if okay. you are ever in that area you okay, may just okay. bump into him <laughs> i see okay all right i didn't know that yeah so so the the hill yeah. in the background is basically vetal tekri named yeah. after a temple of vetal on on yes. top yes yes and yes. Uh, sajjan lal purohit uh, played the role of vetal in the yes, film yes. or vetal so that that's was that's absolutely right in fact um, yeah and with sajjan lal purohit i kept thinking of all the hindi film roles that he was playing right. <laughs> nice All right. Let's let's move on to yep. the next uh, part, uh, Nitin. So, how should younger leaders, entrepreneurs, think about their future relevance, uh, their individual future relevance? I think a lot of the things that I said uh, earlier, right? I mean, those are the principles that uh, you got to embrace. So, one uh, constantly willing to learn. Um, you know, learning and, and learning is not. um just through formal means but also learning by interacting with people uh, learning by uh, you know using adapting to technology um so you know often times companies have have been in companies where you've been using something and somebody comes up with an idea that look look can we change the technology and generally the established view is oh it's things are going well why do you want to kind of you know rock the boat uh, let's you know everything is fine but but that's a wrong way of doing it if you want to be relevant in today's world particularly with the vuka things that i talked about i think people will have to constantly be willing to try things out uh, maybe fail in a lot of them and this is not just about entrepreneurs i mean for entrepreneurs i think people those entrepreneurial people understand this you know that you have to keep experimenting keep trying and keep uh, failing forward and so on but leaders in uh, in the conventional sense in who are in managers in companies etc often times try to be too too risk averse and uh, don't uh, and the problem with that is if you continue to sort of stick to the status quo and not really try things out or not really change with the times uh, soon you'll become irrelevant uh, i often quote um, um, good friend anand deshpande right he he had once told me long ago <laughs> that uh, the the way the indian it industry is going the middle management uh, people typically with you know like 15 years experience they have come to a stage where they only forward emails and he said mind you i am not saying write emails this is not even write emails only forward emails <laughs> you know fya fyi is the only thing that they write 
um and and that those are that's the layer which uh, will obviously become very irrelevant and uh, redundant uh, already that has started happening and a lot of companies they have done that they pruned out uh, you know that that layer which was not really relevant in that in any other sense and this whole concept of just being people managers and by the way i am kind of in that situation today but um, i i you know i i would like to believe that i do add value in terms of um, you know understanding what what should be done the strategy and so on but a lot of them don't understand that if you don't add value and if you are just a people manager it can't last for long so particularly in today's world so younger leaders have to either either you have to have the technique technology edge uh, or you have to have some other you know marketing edge or you have to have something something which apart from just kind of taking care of people and yes taking care of people is important very important but you got to have something else also so you have to keep yourself relevant right right and even in the context of taking care of people i think a lot of things uh, are changing so you have to be mindful of that as well right absolutely absolutely um, and you know if you if you sometimes you know if your people feel that you are not adding any value to them also then they will stop respecting you and that's the worst thing that can happen to a leader Right, right, yeah, yeah. And uh, Nitin, what are your primary sources of knowledge and insights? You spoke about spending a lot of time talking to people. Um, I personally know you are very active on Twitter as well. So, besides these, what are your primary sources of knowledge and yeah, insights? You, you, you took away uh, you know, most of my answer by saying that, <laughs> but that's true. No, no. I mean, uh, act, being on active on Twitter. See, some people are active, active on Twitter, and some people are passive active what i mean is they may not contribute but they they use twitter as a very important source of information so i do a lot of that by the way i mean apart from writing once in a while which is not too much uh, but and, you know whether it is twitter facebook articles from journal like hbr etc the only thing which i don't do unlike most of my family is uh, subscribe to your um you know daily readership compound and weekly and all that but you know i i i mean i do know that they are really very good i i keep recommending it to people by the way i don't know whether you know that yes, i keep yes. recommending to people <laughs> but but i don't do it myself and not because i i i really think it's good but i it's just that i i get that uh, the that kind of a thing from various other sources also right. so i do a lot of reading the what has uh, you know i used to read a lot of uh, books also i'm not a great fan of uh, you know the what they call uh, what i would call the what do they call you know how, like the dale carnegie book how to how to influence people etc or the you know the, i call it pop psychology the pop psychology books i don't really enjoy much uh, but you know if uh, things like um, uh, good to great by jim collins or you know some of the books by um, uh, malcolm gladwell you know outliers for example mm-hmm. uh, things like that you know i i like reading sapiens and uh, and i don't always enjoy the whole thing but um, that's that's something which is important but m- more importantly again um, newspapers so you know many uh, people have stopped subscribing to newspapers uh, particularly after the pandemic uh, we get about five every day and i think eight on the weekends okay <laughs> you know so marathi english different kinds including the hindu uh, for various reasons you know something we buy for the content something you buy for the crossword something you buy for the comics something you buy for the local news <laughs> etc etc something you just because you 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 want to read in marathi so 
uh, earlier i used to read a lot of hindi and gujarati also but uh, those days i don't get them here but i do try to uh, read that if possible so just you know read as much as you can and even though time is always limited uh, that's one and of course the other thing which you uh, told you, you mentioned meeting people but also uh, i am active in a lot of industry forums um so i'm active in seep as you know and then i used to be with tai no longer with tai but i'm also with uh, indo american chamber of commerce uh, so you know in these forums you meet a lot of uh, people you exchange notes so my best source of in- information for what's happening in the industry like you know with attrition whether it is uh, you know no show statistics or whatever uh, recruitment challenges etc is just talking to a few friends you know when you meet and during the pandemic it was more virtual we've just started meeting people again but uh, that's that's actually gives you a lot of insights and luckily i don't know whether it's true with other cities also because i've always worked in pune uh, in india so luckily in pune i find that uh, people are very uh, open and willing to collaborate and, and so long as it's nothing very confidential mm-hmm. people are very free with uh, talking about uh, what they are finding and what they are doing and so on even sharing uh, sources uh, sharing contacts all of that so that really sort of gives me that knowledge right right yeah so you know a lot of what you are talking about i'm reminded of other smartcasts that we have done where you know similar um, you know ideas concepts have uh, been mentioned of, of course we did one with dr anand deshpande he uh, spoke about this um, we did one with arun ayer who actually moved from a business consulting kind of a role to now a product manager Uh, kind of a role so he talked about you know how this whole thing about uh, you know constantly reinventing himself uh, was uh, talked about and what you mentioned about twitter is again something that navin talked about where he spoke mm-hmm. about using twitter as something like a tuning fork right you keep talking about the things that you are interested in and it will resonate with someone Um, yeah and and that's how you can actually put social media to good use for innovation for learning as well so i see actually you know, yeah you're right is. i mean partic- particularly navin uh, and of course amit also amit paranspe uh, these two are classic examples of how to use twitter in a really good way you know it's amazing and you know they i've even got tips from them about how to sort of search it within that and how to kind of you know get what you need without getting bombarded by all the junk that that mm. is floating around right right yeah so nidin uh, do you have any systems or uh, routines or hacks for capturing and reflecting on what you learn about the world and people you deal with do you make notes <laughs> do you have something like that actually i'm a, in that sense i'm quite disorganized <laughs> <laughs> i wish i was much more systematic uh, my son for example you know he I, people like to talk uh, good about their sons but a uh, couple of things that he does i wish I, i was as good as him in that sense one he keeps a meticulous to do list every day i mean mm-hmm. strikes off and what is urgent what fantastic i i don't do that i'm a little more uh, disor- I, i first of all i hate pen and paper Uh, i've given up pen and paper sometimes your people tend to sign by hand it's a real task to sign, sign particularly if there are 50 signatures uh, but um, so i don't do that but i i do use some tools uh, so tools meaning like um, uh, outlook has so many uh, features and you know the reminders and on the phone also you have that so i do if i if i want to remember something to be done every week or every month i just put a reminder a repeated reminder um, and and i you know i use it in like a, a side i'll tell you so for all my batches from both my college undergrad and postgrad 
i am the kind of official birthday time keeper for uh, the the batch so every morning you know like 5 o'clock or 6 before 6 o'clock my thing goes out of the group that's such and such person's birthday and then people just follow so sometimes you know one one day something happened and i was sick or something like that i didn't wish somebody and he got offended he said you are not the first to wish me so <laughs> anyway so that that aside uh, also uh, one simple hack that i use is um, just a created to read folder uh, in on my computer so any time i i don't have the time right now but i want to read it i just put that link or the article in, in that to read folder and then go back to it whenever i find the time i did uh, experiment but i didn't was not successful with it and i forgot and now there is a tool which comes um, you might actually know it uh, which um, you can bookmark kind of a thing across all devices pocket pocket pocket, pocket. Yes, yeah so yes. i tried mm-hmm. to go to pocket but somehow then i should try it again mm-hmm. uh, but that's another thing which i thought was really useful but most importantly um, you know i have a routine where um, so for example uh, there are some things which i do every morning at 5 o'clock when i get up and while i'm having my chai so around half an hour that time and then lunch time i book usually 1 to 2 i book for lunch time so lunch doesn't take 1 hour right lunch takes about 15 minutes so remaining 30 to 45 minutes i do for this kind of a thing so that's a daily routine Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, every day no matter what i'm doing that's the time in the morning and in the afternoon and maybe if if time permits at night before sleeping so these are the sort of three slots uh, which i use yeah yeah so uh, nitin tell us uh, about the you know courses books podcasts articles sites that have influenced your way of thinking and helped you stay future relevant even people for that matter i mentioned um, couple of them to you earlier jim collins malcolm gladwell of course malcolm gladwell unfortunately you know his outliers was a book which really i enjoyed and i used to quote that 10000 hours of work to become a and then later i found out that it was all bogus so, <laughs> but i guess what i mean it, you know it, it's still a good idea right <laughs> but uh, so so sometimes it does happen um, in fact there's a marathi saying i can't remember exactly now but something about you know when you go too close to a hero you find that his feet are made of mud uh, something to that effect <laughs> right so uh, that's the feeling i got when i read about that malcolm gladwell thing <laughs> but um, but you know uh, and sometimes what happens is that in your formative years you read something which at that time you don't even understand for example when i was a small kid like probably primary school i used to live with my grandparents and for some reason you know they were obviously much older and they they were much more religious etc so i read the whole geeta uh, in terms of naneshwari the marathi version and they were wrote i wrote read the whole thing didn't understand most of it I, you know even today i don't understand much of it but but that, but then you know what happens is that you read it you may not understand it and that happens with a lot of literature also you know like you read something you don't understand the full thing but then sometime later it comes back to you in some situation and you think ah oh, you know like it, you don't even realize it has it has come from there so that's the thing which i think is is very important to to keep reading um you know like the other thing which i i really think is that uh, and this is something which i don't know how, how whether it is uh, whether people will agree with it or not but you know when people talk about take a, cr- a cricketing legend like sachin tendulkar right Uh, people say oh he has so much time he has you know he has so many shots to play for the same ball same thing with uh, mm-hmm. virat kohli or rohit or whatever mm-hmm. but i think what you know you think that 
they think and do it they don't they, they have, right. a lot of them have said that it, it's instinctive hmm. I, but then is it really instinctive is it just luck or is it just like something else no it's probably they've worked so hard at it and they've done it so many times in the nets in various matches that it becomes muscle memory hmm. and you even they may not they will not be able to explain to you exactly what the physical or the chemical science behind that how they played that stroke is i think a lot of leadership also can be like that meaning you may not if you should start analyzing it too much you know then you end up with that uh, analysis paralysis uh, and i have known several leaders unfortunately who who, who have been prey to that uh, i i don't like to analyze too much in fact i always tell people also don't try to achieve for perfection because the marginal increase in value so suppose you have done some presentation created a presentation in let's say 2 hours and which you think is 95% okay how much time will it take to go to 97% maybe another 2 hours to 98% another 2 hours 98.5 another 2 hours and to go from 99.5 to 99.9 will probably take a day so i'm saying that you need to as a, as leaders in in real life you have to be able to say okay the concept like MP, uh, mvp right? right minimum viable product mm. so everything that you do you mm. can take the approach of minimum minimum viable product mm-hmm. i'm not saying that you compromise on quality that's not a message right. at all mm-hmm. but you know you have to know where to draw the line in spending more and more time on trying to improve something which is good enough same with decisions you know because even if you you never reach 100% in any decision there's always some chance that it will fail but should you try to achieve 99.9% guarantee then you never do anything you'll never be able to move ahead so that's that's the kind of thing that i learned uh, again you know so i i don't you know don't don't do too much reading too much analysis too many tools yes you need the data you need to ponder over it you do a little bit of thing and then go ahead and do it so that's the other thing which kind of i think is 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 a quality which i think serves me well i don't know whether it will serve others well or not right right i think all these things that you talked about i think it's important for them to be enablers and you not being you know subservient to uh, these two right they have Correct. to be aiding you as long as that is being done uh, it, it's it's fine Uh, but you can't be hostage to <laughs> you know these kinds of uh, yeah. things. Yeah. So uh, Nitin, you spoke about cricket. So I think it's time to bring out a Please. cricket question. <laughs> I think this is going to be you know very easy. Yeah. We're going to hit it out of the park. So only Bombay, Karnataka, Rajasthan, Maharashtra, Delhi, and one other team have managed to win Ranji Trophy in consecutive years. Which is the other team? Vidarbha. Of course, you get that right. <laughs> <laughs> Most people pan. uh it was over a period of time that they you know built towards uh, and uh, since we are talking about that interesting anecdote so probably one of the people who influenced in all this was uh, shashank manohar hmm. um who was also obviously from nagpur and vidarbha right. president and then later became a, all the way up to icc president so interesting uh, sort of what shall we say trivia 
So Shashank and I used to play tennis ball under and cricket when we were like five years old. Oh, okay. We were neighbors. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. And and you uh, played cricket uh, at a competitive level. Uh, yeah. So school, yes. Uh, Nagpur schools uh, also, and then um, I played for IIT, played for IIM, played for IIT in the inter-university tournament. Uh, so my biggest sort of a when people say whatever you what was the most proud moment it was not about the academics or anything else it was when i got introduced and uh, to um mustakali the great mustakali in indore when we had gone to play inter varsity cricket so he was the chief guest and got introduced to him and got a cap from him that was my proudest wow. moment <laughs> great 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 yeah so um, uh, any any you know uh, lessons from cricket that you employ in, in your management uh, and leadership uh, style as well i'm sure i do but uh, i don't know how whether i'll be able to articulate them like i said lot of it becomes <laughs> instinctive but um, you know the, the example that i gave about you know being instinct taking over uh, that definitely i mean uh, even when you are answering questions uh, you know in a rapid fire way etc you know um you it's like a fast bowler bowling a ball at you right you don't have time to think analyze and then play you have to immediately let the muscle memory take over so a lot of times there are situations which are like that you know fast bowling at you you don't have the luxury of take analysis karenge we do the you know this this model that model you don't have the time for that you have to decide and move on so that that's what you what you do in such cases right right yeah uh, all right moving to the next uh, uh, few questions nitin so how what do you look for in your leaders in terms of how they think of their own future leaders so i think uh, when we are trying to hire in fact that's uh, when somebody asked me how do you grow these companies and you know, we have done that like three times now the key is to hire the right kind of people and when i say right kind of people uh, it's exactly what i talked about that the people who are uh, who are uh, who are um, thinking like you not not necessarily agreeing with you on everything but who have the same values like you uh, meaning the you know care for people right that's one example uh, integrity or um, you know being honest being being candid being open to feedback listening these are things which you know and by the way it's not very common to find these people in many of the companies that i worked in there you don't see them all around you so if you can and you know people are genuinely interested in uh, making a difference uh, so now does it mean that i'm always able to identify these characteristics no i try to sometimes i fail miserably hmm. uh, without quoting names i'll tell you that one person which i thought was the best person ever hired and like how could i get so lucky Uh, i had to fire in two weeks uh, so that also happens but fortunately that ratio is very very small i mean very very uh, rarely that i have had to actually do that by and large people uh, you know reciprocate by and large so if you if you have analyzed the basic parts so um, you know how do you how do you assess it uh, you you try to i what i do is i try to ask them about like i give you an example of what moment i was most proud of right so i ask them what are you most proud of i ask them um you know what was your most challenging thing and how did you uh, uh, tackle it what was a single failure that you know you had and you know how did you deal with it why did you think you failed and what did what changes did you make um you know give me an example of um, some people issue that you had and how you went about it and then 
um, you know, if somebody was not working out, how did you deal with that pure performer? Did you have, do you have any example of a poor performer becoming a star, uh, etc. Et you know, so these are sort of situational things that you ask, and then through that you try to because if you ask somebody, do you have integrity? Obviously, the answer is yes, right? No matter what, whether it is yes or no. <laughs> so those are not the right questions. So ask these situational questions. Um, ask about some like you know, depending on what role they are in, some ethical dilemma that they they were into. How did they resolve it? Um, you know, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Like if you had to, if I'm looking at a procurement person, I might even say that okay, the any give me an example where the vendor sort of you know was trying to influence you in some way. What did you do about it? Now, even if you took a bribe, he's not going to tell me that. But you know, then you you figure it out. You know, as to what what the the way the person speaks about it, or the way the person talks, etc. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, talking about uh, these India sites of you know product companies, MNCs typically, whatever we, we call them, GIC, GCC. Then you spend a, a significant amount of your time, uh, yeah. you know, building and, and growing these kind of uh, sites. So how can these sites remain future relevant, and what should leaders, you know, site heads uh, be doing in order to uh, you know increase the value they add as a site to the parent company? Yeah, a very, very important question. And I think uh, I can speak for a day just on this. But um, so let me tell you a few things that I that come to my top of my mind. One is that um, you should benchmark yourself against the peers all the time. Um, you know, whether it is through Glassdoor, Ambition Box, I told you about Great Place to Work, Zeno has its own, but GCCs, they have their own uh, sort of maturity model and so on. So we, I, at least we try to keep doing that to figure out where do you stand with others. Um, and you always try to benchmark yourself with people who have been there longer than you, bigger than you, so that you know you can be aspirational. Uh, that's one. Second thing, and of course, if you wherever you find that you're not doing as well, then you know try to introspect how you could do better, talk to people, try to figure out what they're doing. The second thing is that um, I think uh, site leaders particularly site leaders, they should dare to do things differently from their headquarters. And I'm not saying don't be aligned with the headquarters philosophy or ethos. Or obviously, you have to be aligned with that. But the Indian context is quite different. And you have to try to do things differently. And for that, you need a lot of um, influencing ability. I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, so when I was being considered for um, the job at Eclipses, which later became all scripts. I was meeting the CEO in California in Santa and, and uh, over dinner he was he asked me, you know, about some something which you did in, in the earlier company. And I gave him an example and I said we did this uh, kind of a scheme and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, and this is how it worked. You know, basically how we could retain people, attract people, etc. Then he said suddenly he says, um, how did you convince the management in the US to do this because this is never this unheard of in the US. So I said, I'm probably going to either get the job or you're going to throw me out because the answer is I never asked them. I just did it. And luckily the gamble worked and he gave me the job. Uh, but I told him I you know I don't ask for every single thing. You know mm. like so long as I know I am doing the right thing, I'm not blowing the company's money and I have the, you know, the, the budget is appropriate, etc. Uh, I said, I would rather do it myself. And the, unfortunately, a lot of GCC leaders don't do that. 
Uh, they are too dependent. Everything they have to ask uh, the and and that, you know. Then why do you, why are you needed, right? They can run it from there. And by the way, a lot of companies have gone to that route also. Mm-hmm. They have eventually got rid of rid of one leader in in in, GC, in the GCC and each each uh, sort of uh, department of business unit reports into the US and there's no real head here. You know, mm-hmm. there's no nothing like that here. And that happens because you are not adding any different value. Hmm. And this typically happens when it's become bigger. When you're small, then you they need you because you know, yeah, yeah. as you as you become bigger, then and that's it. That's why I said I could talk about it day. Hmm. But you know, examples of uh, I'll tell you one one example that I'll give you is parking. Right? Uh, traditionally, in the US or anywhere else, the company gives you free parking. In India, it's a huge premium. Right? Uh, also, uh, you know. Cars, particularly two-wheeler parking, generally but you know, cars is not so easy to get. So what I did in my previous company was something which was completely opposite, right? I said we are going to provide free transport to everybody, no matter which shift when you are coming. Of course, you have to come in specific times, etc. But we'll give you free transport. But if you choose to come on your own, absolutely be my guest. But you very well pay for the parking. So not only do you pay for a fuel, etc. And it was not small. I mean, it, way back in 2009, 10, something like that, it was about 2,500 rupees a month, hmm. which is you know, like today's yeah. five, 6,000 rupees hmm. for cars and hmm. you know, some, something similar, 500 rupees or 700 rupees for the two wheelers. And people used to all the time, this was a standard question every employee meeting. Hmm. Why do you pay, make us pay for parking? All the others give us free. Hmm. I said, do all the others give you free transport also? <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm giving you that. I don't want you to be stressed out. When you come mm-hmm. to the office, I want you to be peaceful. I want to, you know, I'll give you the whole air-conditioned cab to come here. Uh, but for a time, because 15 minutes more, I'll have to start at uh, 15 to 30 minutes earlier. Mm-hmm. I said, yeah, that, that's fine. But, you know, mm-hmm. one, we are solving the parking issue. Two, we are solving the uh, pollution issue yeah. and the traffic uh, congestion issue. Mm-hmm. Three things I'm trying to solve at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I'm giving you an alternative. Mm-hmm. Now, so people ask me, US people used to be absolutely flabbergasted when they heard this. But I said, well, that, that's what is required in, in India today. Unfortunately, not many, I don't think anybody followed this <laughs> advice. Some people do give the free transport, but that too typically is for um, shifts and uh, parking though I don't think people charge so but that that so you know th- so this was just an example of how you have to think differently because that's relevant in the now in this case it was relevant in the Indian context but not necessarily f- for their employees for employees again we we created some something called a housing assistance plan which was like you know if you're paying EMIs for your uh, house in Pune that in the city of posting then uh, 20% of that subject to some one month salary or something will be reimbursed to you. Hmm. And I used to joke saying that if you have a like a three bedroom hall kitchen house and one room, you should credit to the company. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But uh, again, tremendous thing because two things happen. One is that, and now I wouldn't do it today because that those days the real estate prices used to kind of double every four or five years. So I used to say, that, look, invest in that. It's a wealth creation program for you. And selfishly, what happens is that once you create a buy a house there, then you kind of get rooted to that city. 
right you you less you, your competition is only then within the city mm-hmm. you don't go to bangalore you go to don't go to hyderabad mm-hmm. so in a way it was also retention mechanism mm-hmm. right right yeah so what i find interesting uh, nitin is that most of these sites usually start with a you know cost arbitrage kind of a model right uh, and then as they start growing uh, there are you know bigger aspirations for the site head for the site itself people that yeah we want to do more meaningful work but now you you know hire different kinds of people with different kinds of expectations now you're trying to do something different so how do you then you know make that switch is that switch possible how easy yeah. is it it is possible you have to operate on different planes so in my current company we employ claims adjudicators who are probably you know the lowest of the rung mm-hmm. uh, meaning just any graduate would do they would come in don't even need great communications it's basically mostly hire from the bpos and we pay better than bpos we give obviously give much better treatment than the bpos and uh, you know even the dignity is is much better etc so th- that's one end. the other end we hire high end data scientists with an lp and everything else uh, who are doing that cutting edge kind of a tech, uh, work also and everything in between um so but all this you know i don't buy the argument that cost arbitrage is no no, no longer an issue it is it is all, it is an issue hmm. i mean if i was sitting in the us and if i didn't have cost arbitrage i would not hire in india even as an in indian yes i want cost cost arbitrage but at the same time i want equally good if not better quality i want equally large number of good talent available that's what distinguishes us hmm. see lots of people um, you know are available even in eastern europe and other hmm. asian countries so but the combination of cost arbitrage plus the talent availability plus the the scalability that is what india is known for and that's why people come mm-hmm. here so i don't look down upon uh, any like we have i you know earlier i've run a call center also i've run bpo operations and i've run high end um, uh, engineering jobs each one of them is equally important because a company needs all these jobs it's not you know you can't choose them so and we we have people who can do these jobs so you have to be conscious of making sure that all of them are they may not be paid the same they may, they will be paid whatever is appropriate industry benchmark and that is driven purely by demand and supply but all of them should get the same dignity none of our policies are like bu specific or level specific i mean everybody gets the same kind of a treatment same kind of policy so you you have to be able to do work and offer it's like that right think of your your parent company as your customer what is their pain point what is their need they want to achieve the same same or higher quality at a lower cost that's their pain point because they have to be competitive in the market again and that's what you have to offer right yeah yeah so i i think it it always boils down to that customer focus uh, uh, you know i spoke to prashant and he was talking about this in the context of individuals as well that he was talking yeah. about how, what is the value that you are adding so yeah i think this this uh, you know it this chat is like the best of reels <laughs> from multiple uh, you know conversations that we have had so uh, on that note nitin uh, will come to the end of this uh, where we will ask you this is the last section where we will ask you for your hot takes on the future relevance of 
you know some things uh, okay. that that we'll ask you about okay uh, it's not really a rapid fire but you can give me a, a, sure. a hot take right so what do you think is the future relevance of iits in india so iits themselves i think are getting more um, broad based meaning when i was there there were five iits now i lost count of how many iits are there it's a good thing in my opinion Right. Uh, that that elitist kind of a thing which was there that if you were from IIT then you know you are special. I don't think that's a good thing. Um, yes, but we need to broad base that we have 1.3 billion people. We have many more engineers uh, required, uh, just like doctors also. We need to have more high high end education. So I think they are relevant. They but they need to continue to be broad based. People, some of my colleagues, classmates, etc. They feel bad that there are so many IITs now. i think is the greatest thing that has happened okay uh, the next one the natural uh, you know next one is what is the future relevance of iims same 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 sorry iims also have grown tremendously and uh, uh, see the, the thing is mbas had been almost devalued i mean today i sorry to say but i hire mbas in healthcare after some you know clinical education who chose to do mba in healthcare and i come come and work with me as claim uh, adjudicators which is i find it a real pity of course they, they you know they're good they rise in the company that all apart but i think the the whole mba degree got devalued because of the proliferation just like the engineering colleges did right so that's why the iit is you can be assured of okay it may not be iit bombay level or iit you know so the, the top level but Once you say IIT, like the COAP or like uh, VNIT, etc., they are they can be assured of a certain standard. Hmm. Um, so that's exactly what is needed for the MBA education. Therefore, I am spreading their wings and have. I mean, I am Udaipur, for example, a good friend of mine runs it. It's a phenomenal institution. I mean, I, the more I read about it, the more impressed I am. Uh, so you know, th- this is what is required. Indore, Nagpur. You know, Pune doesn't have one, but you know, th- th- these cities require uh, I am, and not because. they are big cities but the sheer number of students who can really make a difference is huge right okay and final one nitin what is the future relevance of ranji trophy <laughs> yeah so so there are diehards like me uh, who fortunately are feeling vindicated with the latest in the way things have gone in test cricket right the the, the, the obituary of um, test cricket was written you know several years ago when one day cricket started and of course when t20 started it became even more sort of a, you know, test cricket doesn't have any relevance but test cricket has shown that it has actually tremendous relevance and you when you see packed stands in the uk uh, with um, you know for, for test cricket and every test going into the you know n- not knowing even on the last day who's going to win or whether it's going to be a draw when that starts happening consistently uh, you you think you start realizing the relevance now ranji trophy some format changes may be there um, you know in terms of the way the points are calculated etc etc but i think it's a great um, sort of building ground for for test cricket and if test cricket is going to be relevant uh, in the future ranji trophy automatically becomes relevant for the future right. now whether uh, you should for a country like india i do believe that we can afford to have uh, treated like two or three different sports hmm. just like you know in, in the winter sports you have the same basic skill but you have different varieties right or even in uh, running you have uh, sprints within that 100 meter 200 meter then you have 400 then you have 800 long distance marathon and you have the hurdles you have, i mean so many varieties right why not treat them like three different sports and not just think of it as cricket 
because i enjoy the t20 game as much as the one day game and of course test cricket is the perennial favorite so there is a enough scope and enough number of people both wanting to play and wanting to watch so i don't think there's any problem of relevance yeah and and do you think there's going to be any change in format or do you wish there's any change of format more foreigners playing in ranji trophy teams yeah yeah i i think it should be like the county cricket in uk Uh, where uh, you do get uh, just like T20 IPL really after the foreigners came in it really really made a difference so mm-hmm. certainly i mean see the first change that they made was people like wasim jafar going and playing here yes. rishikesh connect mm-hmm. going somewhere uh, rohan gavaskar played for calcutta so that was the first step now next step can be uh, you know like uh, labushen coming and playing for uh, uh, maharashtra for example right uh, so why not i mean so we can have those quotas you can have no more than two or whatever you know those rules are can be and the other thing could be in terms of while it's still a three day four day game you can try to make it result oriented so right now it's not that result oriented so some rules which can make it more result oriented right on that note nitin thanks a lot i think this was uh, this was a great uh, interview for uh, many reasons uh, about the content of what you spoke and also for the best background background that we've <laughs> ever had <laughs> for any of our sitting is podcast guests <laughs> you know, the most serene and picturesque background that we have had till now but um, like always this is a, a great chat we uh, learned a few secrets about your own routines about your thoughts about future relevance and you know the kind of books and things that you influenced you what you look for in people uh, that you hire so thanks a lot nitin for this my pleasure absolutely pleasure thank you very much arish thank you very much 